What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we are going to tackle a question today about one of the tastiest animals, and that is cows. Do you like cow? I do like cow. I actually don't eat beef anymore. <laughs> Wait, like at all? Uh, Very rarely. So my wife does not eat beef. I guess she... My wife and I try not to eat beef, and we've eaten beef like once in the last i think i got like a spaghetti bolognese or a gnocchi bolognese out of an italian place like once in you know the last year and that's about it is this like shocking knowledge i don't i don't yeah <laughs> i was counted you as a beef beef man ben. I, mean, I was i grew up in texas <laughs> like this was used to be a i used to be a big old beef boy but uh no yeah i feel like beef beef has like a lot of like just different like distinct forms like the ground beef, like, in a bolognese is, like, one type of thing. But, like, also, like, even though it's still ground like, burgers are totally different. And then you have steaks, which is totally out of the left field. Yep. Even meatloaf is different than burgers. Like, it's it's way different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, all these things I crave with beef in them are different. Although, I will say, I think pork might be my favorite, like, just to eat it. I feel like I don't eat pork that often. I eat it less, too, because we try to eat just less meat in general. But, I mean, my go-to is chicken, usually. Oh no, chicken! Chicken is the chicken is the is the backup plan. I I like chicken. We eat more seafood at this point. Ooh, I like seafood. Seafood's great. Not always an option. Usually, if it's an option, I get seafood. Yeah. Anyway, beef is delicious, though I do not eat it. I will agree with you on the beef is delicious point. <laughs> Any case, our our beef related question today is: What if all cows disappeared? And when we say disappeared, we mean just like overnight snap. All the all the all the all the cows are gone. They get double Thanos. Yeah, Thanos. Double cow, cow Thanos. <laughs> Thanos did like a like a you know like a dancing gang double snap, and just all cows are gone. Yeah, Cowthos. I guess the the legend runs. There has to be a better one than that. We're not going to figure it out though. Let's just cows. Ah, uh, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> Than steer. <laughs> <laughs> It's so all bad. right yeah we're not gonna get th- we're not gonna get there in this moment beef nose there we beef go nose. yeah beef, beef nose, nose sounds like who a can the food product that's <laughs> <laughs> mm, like a nice tasty can of beef nose anyway let's please move on <laughs> all right moving on to chris chris you are the first one here uh what did you do for all cows disappearing so i wanted to look at the food aspect of this because obviously we eat a lot of beef we're just talking about eating beef apparently ben doesn't eat beef but <laughs> so you wouldn't be affected, apparently. <laughs> but, like, I eat a lot of beef personally in my life. So first I want to look at, like, how popular is beef in the world? And I found that apparently pork is actually the most popular meat in the world at 36%. And then after that is poultry at 33%. And then beef is number three at 24%. I would, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to guess that a lot of the fact that beef is far behind is that... In India, they generally don't eat beef. Probably, yeah. For religious reasons. <laughs> so, that makes a pretty big impact. Yeah, a lot of people in India. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good like that's a good that's at least like four percent right there off the top. Yeah. 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 I was actually surprised that pork was number one. I thought that poultry was gonna be number one. That is interesting. That's actually very interesting. But I mean, yeah. That's because pork is actually good tasting and chicken is just whatever. <laughs> I like chicken. Anyway. <laughs> so twenty four percent for beef. It's a good chunk, but it's not number one and I do think that if all the cats disappeared, you could potentially fill the gaps with the other types of meat. So I want to like, I think we could survive without beef. I didn't really look too close into it, but I wanted to focus on an aspect. I'd, I'm not sure if it will survive or not if we have no more beef. And that is fast food because a lot of fast food places have beef centric menus. So I was actually inspired by i don't know if either of you marcus probably hasn't seen this movie but maybe ben has demolition man have you seen demolition man i actually have not it's on my list i have not seen it you have rightly assumed that it is not on my radar (laughs) (laughs) yeah demolition is that wesley snipes wesley snipes and sylvester stallone oh yeah i need to see that one yeah Mm. and the reason i was reminded of that is because in it they have a thing called the franchise wars it's basically just a throwaway joke but Apparently, in the future, because this this movie takes place in the future, Taco Bell is the only restaurant that exists because it's it survived the franchise wars, and no other no other restaurants are around. So, based on that idea, I wanted to see like what fast food chains would survive if the cows disappeared. Who would be the king of the franchise wars? So, first, I looked at one of the obvious fast food places, McDonald's. And basically just like all the burger places. So Burger King and Wendy's and all that, all of them together. And obviously the hamburger is is their main like flagship dish, which is made of beef, which is a problem. But they do have some alternatives. So Burger King has the Impossible Burger. And then McDonald's doesn't have anything yet, but they do have plans. They've announced plans to launch a McPlant Burger in 2021. Would you get an Impossible Burger from Burger King? Because I feel like... (laughs) Probably not. Maybe... Maybe now they're more established, but I remember seeing it when they first came out, and I'm like, I've been wanting to try one of these Impossible Burgers to see what see if it's like actually that close. But Burger King is not the place I want to do it. Yeah, I'd get it from a different restaurant if I was to get it. I've had we actually do eat a lot of like the replacement burgers. I have not had the Impossible Whopper. I have had uh, Starbucks has a Beyond sausage sandwich that's not bad. Yeah, I've had the Beyond Burger before, not from just from a grocery store, not from a restaurant. Right. Yeah. Wait, what? Wait, you can get a you can get a sausage sandwich from Starbucks. Yeah, or no, no, not 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 like a not like a hoagie, like a like a like, like a, a sausage sandwich. and egg breakfast sandwich. <laughs> I didn't even know you could get breakfast sandwiches there, but that makes a little more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. It's not like a like a you know sausage and peppers and onions and shit. Like, yeah. Well, like I've been, I haven't been to many Starbucks, but like. <laughs> didn't see a fucking sandwich menu yeah you, you never go and get an espresso and a hoagie like <laughs> it's their their flagship deal yeah come on i want to i want a venti a venti sausage and meatball come on <laughs> you just funnel you just you just you just pour the espresso down the hoagie roll <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta get the pumpkin spice uh meatball sub that actually might be like where i that is like actually the least revolting pumpkin spice option <laughs> i've heard in a while anyway yeah, so there's the Impossible Burger, the McPlant Burger, and then Mc, obviously McDonald's, we already mentioned India. So McDonald's is in India, and since a lot of people in India don't eat beef, they have alternatives. So they have a lot of vegetarian options 
it's mainly I looked at the menu and it's mainly patties that are made from like peas and potatoes mm-hmm. and they're like formed in different in different ways. And then they also have chicken like chicken sandwiches and fish sandwiches and other options. And speaking of India, there was actually a class action lawsuit. It was brought up by um, Hindu customers who believe that they're being tricked into eating beef by McDonald's because uh, McDonald's, they use beef flavoring in their French fries. So there's a lawsuit and eventually McDonald's ended up settling for $10 million, but then they didn't change the recipe. So their, their French fries still do have beef flavor in it. So their fries are apparently affected as well if, if there's no cows. But they do have alternatives just based on the fact that they have McDonald's in India. I still think that their business will be very heavily impacted if all the cats disappear because India, while there are a lot of people in India, it's obviously there's the rest of the world. So I don't think McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's, I don't think any of them are going to win the franchise wars, sadly. Next, I looked at Mexican food because in the movie Demolition Man, Taco Bell was the winner. So obviously Taco Bell has beef in its dishes like tacos and burritos and pretty much everything because they use all the same ingredients for everything and there were rumors that this beef actually wasn't real beef and if that rumor was true then it wouldn't be a problem if cows disappeared and there is a a lawsuit that was brought up in 2011 and they accused taco bell of well, they said that their their meat was only 35% meat and it didn't qualify as beef by USDA standards. And that was what they claimed. So in response to this lawsuit, Taco Bell actually had to disclose the recipe for their beef. And they revealed that their beef is actually 80, 88% beef. So it does qualify as beef. And 12% other? The 12% is um, just like thickeners and spices. So I don't know exactly what the thickeners are, but so there's a good amount of beef in there. And eventually they they dropped the lawsuit because I don't know where they got the 35 percent stat from, but maybe they just made it up. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or talk about very quickly changes recipe to all beef. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously beef is a big part of Mexican fast food chains. So I don't think I don't think Taco Bell is going to win the franchise wars either. Demolition Man is incorrect. Well, I guess in Demolition Man, the cows didn't disappear, but. (laughs) (laughs) So next, I looked at pizza places because I was thinking, like, pizza doesn't have any beef, but pizza does have cheese, and cheese comes from cows, obviously, and cheese is, like, one of the base ingredients of pizza, and even if you ignore the cheese, the most popular topping on pizzas according to a 2019 survey, was pepperoni. Uh, 53% of the people said that pepperoni was their favorite topping on pizzas. And pepperoni is a mixture of pork and beef. That's a, that's, that's a, 53% is more than half. That's a big number yeah, for it's, a... Yeah, it's uh, a pretty big chunk. For which of, which of these 20 things is your favorite? It's like, pepperoni's a lot. Yeah. I actually don't really like pepperoni that much. I, I think I, it's kind of boring. To. It's not a boring yeah, topping. I agree. I think it's one of those things, though, where it's just sort of like a lowest common denominator thing, right? Like, no, you know what it is? There's there's two types of pizza. There's there's like 
good pizza. This is the feel good. This is the pizza that you, you get like you get. You, this is where you get your fancy pizza go, where you have like a bunch of toppings and you have like you know like maybe you have like a white pizza or something. And you throw on like chicken and broccoli and onions and this and that and sausage and all these good things. And maybe you have like some fun sauces on there. Like you, that's the pizza you do like all the cool things with. And you make like this ultimate pizza. Pepperoni pizza is the pizza you order when you just want it to be mostly grease and you feel bad about your life like pepperoni pizza is like the the guilty pleasure pizza where you're ordering pizza because it's you just can't be bothered to cook and it's and you're tired and work sucked and it's like time to just fill my face with calories and that's when you go with the pepperoni pizza so pepperoni pizza is or if you're ordering pizza for a lot of people and you don't know what people like or if you're ordering pizza for a single meal and you went to the counter and bought a single slice of pizza. Lots of options. Pepperoni might be underrated. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but no, there, I agree. There, there are better, there are a lot of pizza toppings and ways to make pizzas that are just like, I'll say strictly better than pepperoni pizza. But pepperoni pizza has a special niche in its, when you're getting pizza, a lot of times you want that pepperoni pizza because of all the other factors associated. <laughs> I'll go with sausage over pepperoni. I would too, but well, you can be in the forty-seven percent then. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously there are like a whole bunch of other types of pizza, but fifty-three percent—that's a pretty big chunk of people that prefer pepperoni pizza. That's with cheese and pepperoni, which has beef in it. So I don't think the the pizza chains are going to survive either. I think they're going to be gone. Um, so I was thinking, like, what is the one type of fast food place that can survive this whole thing? And I think that would be chicken fast food places. So, like, KFC, Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, that type of thing. And just going off the data that I gave earlier, poultry is more popular than beef. So there you go. Um, it was 33% versus 24%. So I was looking at the individual chains so i started with chick-fil-a um apparently there are 12 locations of chick-fil-a that serve burgers like beef burgers and this is because apparently uh chick-fil-a was originally a dwarf house it was called dwarf house i guess that was like just the name of the restaurant <laughs> and that was before they they can't serve chicken at all and they just served burgers and like other non-chicken dishes and then the Balrog came and kicked out the dwarves, and now it's... <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, well, and, then, and then they invented the, the pressure-fried, whatever, the chicken, and it became super popular, and they changed their branding to Chick-fil-A. And then Chick-fil-A invented the chicken, and they, they've been Chick-fil-A ever since. Uh, but there are 12 locations that keep the tradition of serving burgers. So those 12 locations will be affected if there's no cows. <laughs> can, I, can I quickly share my favorite Chick-fil-A fact? Sure. Uh, so there is a Chick-fil-A location in the stadium of the NFL team, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, aren't Chick-fil-A always closed on Sundays? And aren't most NFL games played on Sundays? And the answer to both of those questions is yes. And that one is also closed on Sundays. <laughs> so they have a restaurant in this stadium that I'm sure very expensive to run that is only open on the rare occasions where the games are not on Sundays. Interesting. It's incredible. I don't know why they did it. Apparently, there's also, I don't know if it's the same location, but there's a location in Atlanta that serves steak. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so, I mean, if it's in the stadium, maybe it's a higher end one. I don't think so. Because I know apparently on the days where it is, like on Sundays where it is closed, it changes into a restaurant called Fries Up that just serves French fries that have oh, like stuff on them. Okay. 
So I don't think so. Doesn't sound like a place that's her steak. No, not really. God, not eating dinner before recording this podcast is backfiring. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Dude. I'm just getting so hungry <laughs> talking about this. So yeah, Chick Fil A. Those twelve locations will will probably suffer, but that's only twelve locations. The rest of them will be fine. I think the problem with Chick Fil A though is that their whole marketing scheme centers around cows. They have that cow that's like eat the chickens, not me. That doesn't really make sense if cows don't exist anymore. <laughs> so I think Chick-fil-A is going to be gone without cows. That's just like the most wild advertising campaign to me. Because it's like, what are you getting at? That cows will be pissed <laughs> if you don't <laughs> eat the chicken? Like, I get I get like, yeah, you're, you're separating. You're like emphasizing, hey, you get, no, it's not beef here. You get chicken here. But like, not having beef isn't an appeal to me. <laughs> like... It's not a reason for me to go. And I don't know what they do for those 12 locations that do have beef. <laughs> do they still have the cow? They just don't run the advertisements there. Yeah. So Chick-fil-A is gone. That leaves um, Popeye's and KFC. So both these locations are fairly unimpacted by the, the cow situation. Popeye's does have, apparently they cook their, their fries in beef tallow. So their fries will be affected, but they can easily not do that and just serve normal fries they also have a few other sides that are, would be affected like biscuits and stuff buttermilk biscuits which they might have to change and kfc is the same situation where they have sides they have like mac and cheese and they have the butter buttermilk biscuits as well i think both of these will probably be fine but the one distinct difference between the two is that popeyes we don't know what they're going to do in the future they might serve beef at some point we don't know but KFC is definitely not going to serve beef because in the past, they've already tried this before. Colonel Sanders tried to open a roast beef chain called Kentucky Roast Beef, along with a, a chain of motels for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like it was around the same time he was trying to launch both. And they both failed miserably, like pretty much immediately. So KFC knows to stay away from beef. They're not going to touch beef at all, which means that if cows disappear... KFC is going to be fine. They're probably going to reign supreme in the franchise wars and all the other restaurants will disappear. It'll all be just KFC. I'm sad because I think Popeye's is much superior to KFC. But anyway. Yeah, I was like, I'll take Popeye's, but oh, KFC, bummer. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't mind KFC. It's, it's okay. I think, <laughs> fun KFC story. So it was right when KFC introduced their um, popcorn chicken. And so it was all it was all getting advertised like everywhere. And um, my my family being in the restaurant business very rarely goes and gets fast food. Um, but my dad wanted to try the um, the Popeyes the the popcorn chicken, and we had like a couple people over, so we're, like maybe like seven people or so. And so my dad is the one who went to go to the drive thru and order them, and he's like going through. He's like, okay, so how much do I need? And they're like, well, what size do you want? And he's like, well, how big are they? And they're trying to explain. He's like, well, just give me the weight because he he knows everything by like oh, you know, a pound of chicken will feed, like, a person kind of thing, and it'll get a little bit extra. And it was, like, the party size bucket or whatever it is was, like, five pounds or something. And he's like, well, we're, like, seven people, and, you know, we might have a little extra just in case. So he got, like, two party size buckets for, like, oh seven God. people. And it was just, like, <laughs> an absolute just, I don't know, feast, I guess, of popcorn chicken. Just, like, probably, like, more than double what we needed. I, I can't because... imagine eating over a pound of popcorn chicken. Actually, no, I can imagine that. Never mind. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's safe to say it's safe to say we did not eat over a pound of the popcorn chicken because I'll I'll say it was not for me. So that was that's my little that's my little KFC story. Nice. Well, with KFCs reigning reigning supreme throughout the world, you'll plenty of time to eat that pound of chicken. Yeah. Uh, ben, what did you do? Yeah, Ben, what did you do? So I I went to a very particular fact that I feel like is one of those facts that you learn when you're a kid, like at some point, or at least that I learned when I was a kid and always sort of stuck with me, um, which is that cow farts cause global warming. And your, your kid brain goes, ha farts. Right, exactly. That's why it stuck with me for so long, which actually it turns out that's not 100% true. It turns out it's cow burps that cause global warming. It is methane that's the reason, but they're not farting it out. They're burping it out because of the way their stomachs worth work um which i was not gonna lie a little bit sad to find out but i mean burps are still funny too i guess but not as funny as farts but anyway so i i immediately started thinking about well if all the cows are gone how i guess how much of an impact is this actually going to have on humanity's attempts to stop you know burning themselves alive so first thing i gotta figure out how much do cows actually contribute to global warming so it turns out that every year a single cow is going to belch out about 220 pounds of methane. For comparison, I figured I'd go with something that we all know, you know, a little more reasonably. I want to see how how much CO2 a car produces. Um, different greenhouse gas, but you can at least, you know, get sort of frame of reference there. And it turns out via the, the EPA that a typical passenger vehicle emits about 4.6 metric tons of carbon dioxide per year, which is about 10,000 pounds and clearly much more than 220 pounds of methane. However, it also turns out that there is a, a you know, different greenhouse gases have different effects on the warming of the planet. And specifically, methane is, has about 28 times more warming potential than CO2 does. Um, which means that 220 pounds of methane is about the equivalent of around 6,000 pounds of CO2, or about three-fifths of a car each year. There is one other key difference that's going to be more important later as well, um, which is that one of the big problems with CO2 is that it stays in the atmosphere like for centuries. It's like 300 to 1,000 years. Methane only stays in for about 12. So that is a lot more, you know convenient that's also kind of why we focus on co2 mostly i found it very funny that 12 times 28 is about 330 um so it is 28 times worse but stays in the atmosphere for like a 28th of the time which i thought was kind of cute anyway it also means that it actually turns out that if you have a herd of cattle and the size stays constant it's actually carbon neutral like the cows themselves after 12 years because They'll keep producing the same amount of methane, but the methane that they already produced will go away, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't think I've ever heard someone describe global warming as cute. I described a, okay. <laughs> I described a certain like math-based fact about global warming as cute. I guess that kind of works. Whatever. It's the fine. numerology of global warming is cute objectively chris obviously the, so the, the, maybe hop off ben's back here the neutrality <laughs> of cows effects on global warming is kind of cute which is a little bit wordier <laughs> anyway point being overall so what we see is that you know a couple of cows is roughly equivalent to a car and there actually are almost as many cows in the u.s as there are cars um, there's about 94 million cows in the u.s apparently it's weirdly hard to find out how many cars are in the united states Apparently, this is, like, very hard to figure out because of the way that, like, 
the easiest way to do it would be vehicle registrations, but those get reported across a lot of different kinds of vehicles, um, and they're not separated out very well. The estimates I saw were based on both that and some like census data and wound up being about 111 million. So basically, long story short, if we did get rid of all the cows, once that methane went away, it would be basically like we got rid of all the cars in the United States, which feels like a lot, personally. Also, I guess that was also just for the US, those numbers. So feels like a lot. Now, the question is, does it actually, you know, does that matter? Would getting rid of all the cows and having that impact on, on greenhouse gases actually do anything to global warming? So I look at the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, which, if you're not familiar with it, is a, a UN, um, there was a convention on, on climate change that sort of came up with this, this, this agreement around greenhouse gas emissions and, and stuff like that. And the long-term goal was basically to keep uh, the global temperature increase to two degrees Celsius above like pre-industrial levels, um, ideally one and a half degrees Celsius above. And that was decided basically once you get above one and a half degrees, the, the frequency and intensity of climate impacts, you know, storms and things like that are going, is going to increase um, pretty drastically. So that was all signed in 2016. As of 2019, there was another UN report that said, hey guys, we're bad at this and we're on pace for like double that. So there, they actually gave some targets over the next 10 years, which were basically cutting emissions by like 7.5% per year to get to that 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2.7% per year to get to 2 degrees Celsius. And that timeline actually works out very well with our, that was over 10 years, that works out very well with our 12-year methane lifespan, I guess, in the atmosphere. So... If you go out and, and do that, do those decreases per year, it winds up being like a 55% decrease for one half degree Celsius, which we are not going to get to. But for that two degrees Celsius, it only actually takes a 15.8% decrease in emissions. And there was another report uh, from a different group in the, the UN that basically was just looking at livestock's, well, livestock's impact on climate change and total emissions from all livestock supply chains were about 14.5% of human emissions. And about two-thirds of that was cows, which is a little under 10%. So it's not enough to get to a like reasonable level, but it's more than I honestly expected it to be. It's about you know 60% of what we need to get back to that original Paris climate uh, agreement goal, which is pretty impressive, not going to lie. I will say, I feel like a lot of what I did was kind of depressing because, man, we're bad at fighting climate change and also cows are bad for the environment. But I did learn there is actually some uh, possible help as well. One, I've learned that although America is bad at fighting climate change, it isn't really good at making efficient cows, which feels very, very American to me. What? Wait, what part of the cow is efficient? So, so basically over the last like, you know, 50 years or so. So I guess in 1950, um, the U.S. had 25 million dairy cows, but now we only have 9 million. But with that, you know, almost two-thirds reduction in cows, we're actually making 60% more milk than we were in 1950. Similarly, we are down about a third from the size of, like, beef cattle herds were in the 1970s, but we're producing more beef than we were then. So just through a lot of, like dietary changes and things like that we've just managed to make our cows 
produce more with fewer cows. Just these engorged milk-filled cows. Right, which is kind of terrifying, but also kind of cool. No, it's more unterrifying. I- I've seen a couple specials on on. Yeah, the, I know. It's pretty farms. bad. The chickens are worse, I think, honestly. The chickens are pretty gnarly. No, like, the, the thing that got me on the cows was they, they had, like, there was, like, a hole, like, in the side of the cow. Oh, to, like, yeah. Like, that was just, like, left there to, like, you know, administer something or another. It was so weird and gross. I, don't, I, I like, couldn't watch it long enough to actually understand what the hell was going on with it. It's not great. There was one less disturbing thing uh, that I found out about cow efficiency, particularly in the United States, which is that a lot of the, the in addition to just, you know, having fewer cows, a lot of the problem is related to all the this methane that builds up as they digest. So they try to do a lot of experiments with different supplements and things they can give cows to just help them digest things more easily, which is very funny to me. And there was a trial at UC Davis that um, found by by making 1% of the cows diet seaweed, they got a 60% reduction in methane emissions. Oh, so you can just feed the seaweed instead of getting rid of all the cows. That seems like a better plan. It, it does feel like a pretty decent plan. Yeah. I realize now we're sort of outside of the hypothetical because obviously with no cows, <laughs> this isn't a problem. But I wanted to feel better about the dairy industry slightly, maybe. So I did some more research that way. I guess overall, I don't have a like big flashy finish. I was going to try to figure out a way to like... So the other issue with saying that getting rid of all the cows would reduce emissions by like 10% is that I feel like we'd probably replace them with some other meat. And a lot of that and you know emission is just due to like fertilizer and things like that. So it probably would get replaced by other other uh, other animals, which isn't ideal. Probably pork. Yeah, probably pork. Maybe chicken. Maybe goats. Maybe goats. Time to shine. Who knows? <laughs> it's, time <for> the, <laughs> it's time for the goats, or well, not time for the goats. They're not going to be happy about no, this. No, they're not. It's not a good not a good move for the goats. I did try to find, I don't even know why, but I googled literally carbon neutral animals. There aren't any. I don't know what I was looking for here, <laughs> but whatever. I guess, long story short, to answer the question, do cows cause global warming? The answer is kind of, but also not really. Not as much as maybe my like eight-year-old self might have thought. And I guess also, if they all went away, global warming would still happen. So sorry, guys. I was hoping to have some good news on this whole burgerless front, but... No such luck. That's right. I got some good news, Ben. I'm going to make us all rich. Ooh. Because now the, the, world, the world runs on supply and demand. And once the cows, you know, there's a lot of cows. Cows have made their way into all sorts of places in our economy. Cow, you know, beef, milk, cheese, like the food aspect, but also like the byproducts to have all this thing. So what I wanted to see, if cows has appeared overnight, where would you be best served to put your money what, what what cow products you invest in to get the best turnaround going forward because suddenly all the cows are gone and you, we're not gonna be able to get any more of this stuff so the first step was kind of just looking at what interesting like cow byproducts that we use that we could potentially use for something and it turns out we use cows for a lot of stuff besides food so some of the stuff i found you know easy stuff like the hide is used for to make leather obviously that's one of them The cow dung is used for fertilizer and fuel. Cow hooves contain keratin, which is interestingly used for specialized fire extinguishers for high-intensity flames. Like, they have them at airports for jet fuel fires. The bone char of cows is used to purify sugar. 
The cow's pancreas can be used to produce insulin. The rendered bones and skin uh, make gelatin, which is used for, of course, like candies and jellos and stuff. But also, interestingly, is one of the components to making film for cameras and like for, you know, video cameras too. The, the fats and oils in a cow are used to make stearic acid, which I thought was just like steer, like cow acid. <laughs> but the, uh, the origin of the word doesn't happen to be directly from, from cows and steers. So, but anyway, stearic acid, which is used in making car tires, soaps, cosmetics, lubricants, and of course the one that everybody knows, um, the negative plate additive for lead acid batteries. And then... Uh, the last one here I have on my list here is cow fat is also used as a hydraulic brake fluid. It's a common binder used in making asphalt. And the glycerin that can be derived from cow fat uh, is used to make dynamite. So the cow gets around. <laughs> <laughs> Just a minute ago, you're asking what part of the cow is efficient. <laughs> Cows sound very efficient to me. It's more. I think it's more that we have a lot of cow that we don't know a lot to do with like like oh man if we can sell these hooves to somebody that's going to be a lot of money coming in <laughs> so there's definitely money to be made off of like short-term supply chain shortages on any of the above things i just mentioned but really anything that's made from like the fats the bones the hide it can be fairly easy to replace by just farming different animals like anything with hooves has keratin for example the insulin had it had me interested in a moment the cow pancreas being used to make insulin but it turns out first off it's Pigs and cows can be used interchangeably to make the insulin. But also, we've gotten better at making insulin, so we don't actually need to do that method anymore of using the cow and pig pancreas as, like, the tool to make it. We just do it in a fancy laboratory now. So really, the the real money then, if you're going to have a real, like, commodity, it has to come from something that's specific to the cow and not otherwise replaceable by just another animal that has, you know, bones and skin and organs and after going through all of it it actually just brought me right back to food products because the thing that's really uniquely cow like if like that people care about is the is the milk and the beef like pe people care about those differences in where the products come from for their food people don't care about what fat and oils are used to make their car tires so i'll start off with milk milk itself doesn't really keep so that's like what, what interested me at first is like if you get onto the milk and can like save that milk, it's pretty good. But I don't think there's gonna be a huge demand for like cow milk to cash in on. Like, I will just learn to drink one of the other seventeen types of milk that they've created on the planet and be like, okay, this is milk now. I might like milk like cow milk is the one I drink now, but it's also just because it's the most readily available. I think I could do that switch. But milk does play an important part in making something that people do have a demand for, for like that, like specifically cow milk. And that's cheese. So people, you can make a luxury cheese that is like, okay, it's the now extinct cow milk. That's going to be a selling point. So I, I, I debated between doing that and doing special beefs. Cause you can also do, you know, you already have fancy beefs, like the Wagyu beef and the, all these different ones. But it turns out beef storage is a real pain. Like, if you want to store beef for a long time and have it still be, like, good beef, you need, like, special refrigeration units and all these crazy contraptions to, like, keep that going. And even then, it has actually has a lower price ceiling than a fancy block of cheese, based on the calculations that I did. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip the beef and just say it didn't come out interesting, and I'm just going to go through the cheese here. So 
right now, the most expensive cheese that I could find online is, oh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Pule cheese, P-U-L-E. So it's either Pule or Pule. Um, I'm going to call it Pule, and if it's wrong, people can hate me. Pule cheese is a Serbian cheese that is so expensive because it's made from the milk of the endangered Balkan goat. Obviously, we're going to be making cow cheese, not goat cheese, but the idea is, hey, you have a very rare animal you're making the cheese with. And this cheese runs in around 600 bucks a pound to get this uh, goat cheese. And fun fact, a good, a, good, a good happy fact, is that they use the proceeds from the cheese to maintain their endangered Badalkan goat sanctuary. So it, helps, it directly helps the goats. So 600 bucks a pound is not nothing. It's not quite worth its weight in gold. But it's also not just ingredients that can make cheese expensive. So if we're in this for a little bit of the longer haul, cheese can also become pricey because it gets old. So I mentioned, you know, like how you have to do all these fancy storage things for beef. Cheese, you just cover it in wax and put it in like a cool, damp place. You don't have to do much to preserve cheese. So cheese lasts not forever, but it does last on the order of decades. The oldest edible uh, like commercial cheese I've seen sold was a 40-year-old cheddar. Um, I couldn't get a pricing for it, but from that same person, they I did find pricing for a 28-year-old cheddar that they were selling at the Wisconsin Cheese Mart for 96 bucks a pound. So we're going to be combining rare cheese and old cheese together to get our maximum cheese value here. So to throw a number at it, let's start with this is 600 dollars a pound cheese. I think it might even be a little bit more because, you know, the Dalkin goat's endangered, not extinct. So there might be an extra price addition in there, but I didn't, I didn't add it here. I just, I just kept the 600 pounds a, a pound. Right. No new supply is a lot rarer than little new supply. Right. Exactly. But like, if you talk about how many cheese wheels you're going to, you know, that exists in the world at a given time, I'm going to start, I'm going to just keep a conservative state with 600. And then it's just a matter of, does it get more valuable as it ages? So to kind of put a number of that, a regular pound of cheddar cheese costs about $5.33, according to some agricultural statistics for the U.S. So if the regular pound of cheddar cheese costs $5.33 and the 28-year-old cheese costs 96 bucks a pound, the old cheese is worth 18 times more than the fresh cheese. So that, if you just multiply 600 by 18, like a clever math person, this puts our wheels sell price at $10,800 per pound, which is worth a third of its weight in gold, which is not a bad investment in my book, considering you're just buying, like, milk <laughs> and <laughs> using it to make cheese. So that would be, that's, that's where the real money is. It's in the cheese, not any of this uh, crazy other cow parts. Just put it all in cheese. Invest in cheese. When the wheel comes around, put your money on yellow. I mean, you really didn't have to convince me at all to invest in cheese. You didn't need all those numbers. I would have done it. <laughs> just put put your money in cheese i was actually surprised that there wasn't a more like ah yes this is the super luxury cheese that goes for you know forty five hundred dollars for a cube <laughs> like you know and it's covered in gold leaf and all this nonsense i mean given it's the most expensive cheese 600 bucks a pound is kind of reasonable like i could buy that i mean if i really wanted cheese is a food for the people like i think that's what it comes down to I think there's a lot fewer cheese snobs than like wine snobs maybe i'm wrong about that though yeah I guess that's true. The people that would be cheese snobs can get their snobbiness over with the wine they'd pair with They're it. They're also wine snobs. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and you can, it's much easier to be wine snobby because it's, those are way more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got. So that, that all brings us to the end of Cows Disappearing and right into 
our Would You Rather segment. Oh, the cows are back? Ben. Yes. Would you rather find a dead body in your car or 50 live snakes? Oh, God. Do I know the body? You don't know the body. Does, do you mean like, do you know the person? Yes, I guess. I guess that's a better way to put that question, huh? Yes, you, you, you know the body is a person body, but you do mm, not know who it is. I do not know who it is. What kind of snakes? It's a very good follow-up. Does Okay, here's my follow-up. Does it fucking matter? Are you going to be able to species identify this snake if it's not a rattlesnake? I can do the, the, the black on, or red on black, scratches black, red on yellow, kill the fellow thing, you know, like, gives me a little bit of info. They are, they have, they are, they are colored with black, red, and yellow, but they're so mixed up you can't tell what's next to what. Damn. Also, you just found 50 fucking snakes in your car. All right, fair. You know what? You make a very compelling argument. Um, <laughs> okay, so like, conceivably, if you don't recognize the person, I'm trying to decide how bad it is if you call the police and say, hey, there's a dead body in my car. Okay, first off, uh, this is real, real, real life advice. Call the police and say, hey, there's a dead body in my yeah, car. Don't, don't try, try to, like, to cover it up. Yes, no, no. Definitely, <laughs> definitely just say, hey, I don't know where this body is from. It's not bad. It's good. It's going to be inconvenient. And that's the thing. It's it's basically, what's, what's the bigger inconvenience? Like, this dead body in your car or... Either situation you're calling someone else to deal with it so you don't have to deal with it. All right. So here's, here's a question I think is actually going to be a very relevant question. Would you be more comfortable... Say you're buying a used car... Would you be more comfortable buying a used car that you knew had, at one point, a dead human body in it, or that had 50 snakes in it? Here's, here's the one that gets me on the snakes. I was, I, I was going to bring it up a little bit later, but it, it, I'm going to bring it up now because you kind of were leading into it. Is If you have 50 snakes in your car, right? You go and... Say you even do it yourself. Say you even get have like you you happen you, you go out to the depot and buy one of those little snake grabbers and you get good at grabbing snakes out. You pull fifty snakes out of your car. How confident are you that there was just fifty snakes in that? Oh, car? That's a really good question. I'm also dying. And how the... confident are you that they couldn't go into like your air duct or something or like be in a cushion somewhere? I'm dying at the mental image of like I've opened my sunroof and I'm sitting on the roof of my car with a snake grabber. <laughs> <laughs> Just gone fishing. I mean, I'd probably open the doors first and let them just leave <laughs> before I do that. Some of them will leave. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. It's like snake removal isn't a huge problem. You can get an expert. You can you can like get them out yourself. Like it's it's not that hard to move snakes. I guess like in the in the grand scheme of things, it's not that hard to get rid of the snakes in your car. But will you ever be truly confident there's not a fifty first snake somewhere? <laughs> 51st Snakes is my favorite Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I can barely say snake. that joke. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's either the 51st Snake or Adam Sandler's in your car. Um, oh, but it's Adam Sandler. That's sad. Yeah, I like Adam Sandler. Yeah, let's not let's not let's put not let's not put a name to the body. It's it's All a right. it's a God. I'm gonna say, man, because you're right that like. I, I don't think I could ever trust that all the snakes are gone. That's a really compelling argument. But also, I don't want to, like, put my groceries where there was a dead body. Like, I don't know. I don't want either of these cars. Well, they're your car. You're not buying them. They are your car. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So here's, so here's, here's my, I think, final argument, is that I think regardless, I want to get rid of this car. And I'm going to have, if there's a body in my car, there's going to be a police report attached to it. There will not be one if there were snakes in my car. 
And it's not <laughs> going to come to... up. Is that something you have to disclose if you sell a car? I know you have to disclose if you sell a house with a dead body in it, right? I would just imagine that when they do like a, you know, they check for like accidents and stuff. I feel like if your car is associated with like a police report, it's going to come up on that. Hmm. Or maybe That's I'm why wrong. you check Carfax. I feel like it would be on the Carfax. There's just like a dead body question mark with a checkbox next to it. You don't want that box checked. <laughs> yeah. Has this car ever had a dead body in it? Yeah, it did one time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> so like, I guess that's what it comes down to for me. I don't think I can continue owning either of these cars. And I have a better chance of recouping the value if I just had snakes in it rather than a, d- a dead body. <laughs> and yeah. You don't have to disclose. There's no disclosure right, box. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Snakes? snakes? No. <laughs> No one, no one asked that question. Why would you ask that question? I might start asking that question. Okay, so you're going, you're going snakes. I'm going to go snakes just because, like, what a I don't think I could keep either of these cars. Okay, I think I'm going dead body. I don't think like the initial shock will be a thing to get over, but then once I'm over that, I think I can deal with having a car. Like, I'll call someone; they'll deal with the dead body, and then once it's gone, I think I don't have any issues with there being a dead body in there at one point. I would keep the car. There is there's 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 probably a good month or two of like being involved in the investigation of where that body came from. It's also true. Because I imagine you might get some pointed questions. I'm gonna say I'll, I'll say it this way. It's it takes about like let's say it takes it's it's a month of you stop by the police station every once in a while to answer some questions. You don't get resolution on where the body came from, nor are you falsely incriminated. Okay. Do I imagine if you had 50 snakes in your car, too, you might want to tell the police <laughs> and have an investigation of some sort. Because how did they get there? That is actually, hmm, that is actually also a compelling argument. Like, could we say it's like you, your like sunroof was clearly open and there's like very clearly a snake nest nearby? <laughs> sure. Like, the, the way the snakes are in your car is not a mystery. I feel like it's part of the dead body, but I feel like it's not part of the snake part. Like, I feel like it should be known how the snakes got in your car. Now I'm wondering if if it's easier to re-upholster your car than sell and buy an entirely new car. In which case, I might go dead body. Yeah, it'd probably be easier. Yeah. Probably cheaper. Yeah. So maybe I'm actually also going dead body. Plot twist. I think... I could live, I think I could get over the fact, I think I, I think I get over the fear of the 51st snake. <laughs> Especially after, like, however long it is that snakes can go without eating. Like, whatever I Google that number to be. Um, how long can snakes go without eating? Um, snakes, or more specifically ball pythons, can go without food for about six months. That's a long time. Pretty long time. That is a long, that is a long time. <laughs> How long would you wait before you start using your car again? Because if, if you're fearing that there's at, at least one more snake in there, you're probably not going to use your car right away. There'll be some sort of grace period. Could you just like put a mouse in your car and then wait a couple days? That seems like that's like the opposite of like, you know, buying a cat to kill a mouse and buying a dog to get the cat and buying a something to get the dog. That's where, the, that's where the, that little nursery arm always breaks down. How would that help, putting a mouse in your car? So it's kind of, it's like, I know you can't prove the null hypothesis that there are no snakes in your car, but if you put a mouse in your car and it's still there after three days, there probably aren't any snakes in your car. What if it's, what if you can't find the mouse anymore and it's just still in your car Well, somewhere? then you get a goddamn cat. I don't know. Like, 
I think I think I would I think I would get over it without selling my car. Um, I think I would eventually talk myself into not caring about like the the not snake. I don't know. I feel like I could do it. So that's I'm I'm landed on snakes. I'm going to body. I oh man, I'm I think I am going to go body and just know that I'm going to have to reupholster the car. Fair enough. If you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about no cows or no snakes or no Adam Sandler and want to let us know, the best way to do that is to leave a review. Just hop on whatever podcast player you're on. Um, There should be a button. It's got like some stars there. So like if you fill up all the stars, it lets you leave a comment. So you got to put all five in or else you don't get to say anything. Um, So put five stars there and then let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you like about the show and... um, Leaving a review is one of the best ways to help the podcast because it helps us, you know, be seen by more people, show up earlier in the search results, and just a great way to help it grow. And the more it grows, the more episodes we do. If you want to more directly help the podcast, even more direct than directly helping us, you can just give us hard, cold, hard dollars on our Patreon, uh, www.absurdhypotheticals.com. That's wrong. www.patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals. <laughs> Have you made that mistake multiple times somehow? <laughs> In the... I wonder if that website exists. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals. There's the Become a Patron button. It is $1 a month. And you get access to all our behind-the-scenes episodes where we talk about making the show. We brainstorm new segments that we want to try out. We talk about past episodes. We hang out. We have a good time. It's a fun place to listen to us more if that's what you're into website does not exist patreon.com doesn't exist anymore dang (laughs) we're screwed (laughs) but anyway whether you leave a review hop on our patreon or not you are always welcome to join us next week where we answer the following question what if you had spider-man's powers